All people are when you manifestations obey God's word of that was built by slaves. Reality. And I watched my daughters. There is so nobody that respects women more than I do. There's a lot of crisis, a lot of bad. This. Hello, everybody. Michael here. And maybe even more specifically, hello, James. <laughs> I have a a Twitter friend named James who regularly converses with me on there in a way that is unusual for Twitter in that he's actually, you know, respectful. He's actually thoughtful. <laughs> There's no, um, you're going to burn in hell, you idiot from James, which is nice. It's a refreshing change of pace for my Twitter timeline. So James has given me a few good threads that have really made me think and, and, and have to look at some things, which I love. Uh, I love good pushback. James is someone who has said that he used to come from my perspective of oneness, of non-dual awareness and that he had an experience with God that changed all of that for him. And I'm always fascinated. If there's always like somebody that says I used to be in your shoes and now I want to hear about it. Um, and so James sees things from a different place than I do. It seems to me that he's kind of an Orthodox Christian at this point. Forgive me for pigeonholing you, James. I don't know if you'd identify like that, but that's kind of what I've gathered, what it seems to me. And there was this one particular thread that you had all these thoughts in that, you know, Twitter is is limited usually, but I felt particularly hands tied on really addressing your questions and your thoughts well on Twitter. So I told you I'd make a podcast for you. So here we go. Here's a podcast for James and all of you out there like James who think maybe that I am full of shit. (laughs) James doesn't say I'm full of shit. He's a nice guy, Uh, but he disagrees with me about stuff. So this is a, a way this podcast today is a way for me to try to honor um, James and people like James who push back at me and who, who bring the conversation to a place of, of disagreement and tension. I love that place because that's the place where we learn. That's the place where we grow. That's the place where we get more skillful in how we talk about things. And, um, and James helps me to see things that are being implied in the ways that I speak, uh, that are worth re-looking at or, or rephrasing or restating or, uh, maybe throwing away entirely. Who knows? So today is for you, James, and for everybody like you who wants to argue with me. (laughs) Let's go. All right, so let's catch everybody else here up first on, on the conversation. And this happened back in June, and sorry, it's been kind of crazy since then for me, James, so I'm finally getting to it. But 
I had tweeted, the universe is not a dead set of mindless collisions. It is mind itself. It is life itself. And me to my own tweet, I'm saying, wow, that's a great tweet. <laughs> Amen, Michael Gunger. Can I like my own tweet? Uh, wait, that's, I think that's a, I think that's a thing that Pete Holmes, I think that's a, what he calls masturbation. <laughs> A euphemism for masturbation. That's fantastic. Okay, so James replied, a refrain that I often hear non-dual teachers come back to is not just that everything is awareness itself, but that they identify as that awareness. They would say that they are not only the observer that is seeing, but the awareness that is creating what is being observed. And then he goes on to say, might there not be a sense in which individuals, in quotes, are actually smuggling in an immortality, which he also puts in quotes, of sorts, in that appropriation slash identification, not with the small I ego that is unreal, a story, a constriction, etc., but rather the capital O observation that has always been and always will be. But just saying this does not make it true. To which I would reply, correct. End of podcast. Just kidding. But, I mean, you could. You could just end it there. It would be fine. It's not correct. It's not correct because the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. No matter what you say, when you're talking about ultimate reality, it cannot be said it cannot be accurately portrayed or encapsulated in words because of the nature of words. The nature of words are models. They are thoughts. They're, they are sounds that we use to communicate thoughts, categories, um, lines in the universe where we go, Okay, we're drawing the lines around this part of the universe and calling this a spoon, and we're drawing lines around this part of the universe and calling this a fork, but you can't draw lines around the entirety of it because where where do you put the lines? You see what I mean? Like you can't put infinity in a finite container. You cannot speak the ineffable. So to say, I am that is immediately untrue because that is a model in your head. It's the all, it's the conception of God. It's the conception of awareness. But we're actually doing when we're talking about we being non-dual teachers or people who are trying to point a finger to the moon, like the Zen Buddhists say. If you don't see the distinction between the finger and the moon, if you don't see the distinction between that, which is pointing the word, the language, the concept, the model of God, of reality, and the thing itself, if you don't see that the wave is 
a part of the ocean, but it's not the ocean in itself. There's that, it is the ocean. A wave is the ocean. But it's not to, to think of it as being the entire ocean is misguided. In the same way, all words are the Tao. All being is capital B, being. But there are aspects of it and distinctions within it worth making. And perhaps what you're getting at, James, is that it's a distinction worth making that I, the person who's speaking, the the body that's speaking, the localized consciousness with these particular memories and this particular DNA and is inhabiting this particular slice of earth right now is not, it's, it's worth making a distinction between that and the all that is beneath and before and over and transcendent of and within all, the all in all. And I would agree. I would agree that if I, the, and by I, I mean Michael Gunger here, if I, the, the body here with these memories and that are saying these words, and, and there's a, a thought in this head that this guy here, is the totality of everything. <laughs> that's just a wild form of narcissism. Um, that's, you know, worthy of putting somebody in the, in a mental institution over. Cause if you really believe that you are the all powerful God, just you, just that little body there, uh, you have a very distorted lens of things, right? But this is something that I said in one of the first exchanges with you, James, over Twitter, that I think the problem we're going to have in this conversation or debate about God and ultimate reality, and am I that? Am I ultimately one with God or distinct from or separated from God? is I think we're coming at it from opposite sides of the conversation. I actually am not trying to question the nature of God. I am questioning the nature of you and me, of the, the idea of self. That's really what I'm questioning. To me, it's quite simple as far as God goes. And that is, I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my theology summed up as cleanly as I can say it. I have no idea what the nature of God is. What the totality of God is. What the selfness of God is. These are, we're talking about mystery here. But I do know that what I used to think of and feel and experience as self, I do know that that was a dream because I woke up from the dream. 
you can't know that you're dreaming right now or not, right? Just, you don't know, as you're listening to this podcast, you can think, I think I'm awake. You could pinch yourself, jump up and down, look at a clock, read something, be like, this seems, I'm doing all this, so I should be awake, awake. Like, I don't think I'm dreaming. But you can't know, right? You couldn't absolutely know. You might be dreaming in a matrix machine or something. But you can know pretty confidently if you, like when you wake up from a dream, you're having a bad dream or something, you whoa, you wake up and you're sitting in your bed. You can know pretty confidently that the thing that you just experienced, you were falling from a building to your death, was a dream. Right? You can be pretty confident because now you're not falling anymore. And now you're sitting in a bed and... So either you figured out how to break the rules of gravity and you're a superhero and then you erased your own memory and you got back to me. Yeah, I guess that's possible. But you can be pretty confident. Oh, you were just having a dream. <laughs> right? So when you wake up from a dream, there's confidence. Wow, look at that was a dream. You see the nature of what it was. That doesn't mean that while you're sitting in the bed, you can know you're not dreaming. Just watch the movie Inception. <laughs> So, I don't know who God is. Neither do I know who I am. But what I can tell you is that the illusion of who I used to think I was, that I was a separate, stable something, this feeling that I had, that it wasn't even something that I could put into words then, but it was a feeling, it was a sense of an unchanging, stable me that I always had until I saw what that was when I woke up from it. And that's not something if you haven't woken up from that will make any sense to you. And so there's a level of just trust if you trust the people who tell these things to you or not. And I wouldn't tell you to trust me. (laughs) So I'm just speaking these words. You don't have to believe me, but I'm telling you uh, because for some reason my life uh, and you know, this body speaks into microphones all the time. I guess the ego of this body really finds some value in importance, some sense of self in doing that and getting on Twitter and talking to you. Um, so take it with a grain of salt because Michael wants to be an important boy. Good, good, special boy. But the truth, (laughs) the truth is, uh, I know, I know without a shadow of a doubt that I don't know. (laughs) That's what, there's such certainty. There's been, I have such certainty now in my uncertainty. That's what's changed for me. I used to be sort of like uncertain about my uncertainty. (laughs) And now I'm just so 
at home and certain that I am uncertain. That none of none of the concepts that we're talking about, God, me, self, that I see them as tools. You know, I have these guitars hanging all over my wall. They're not making music right now that I can hear. They're just without somebody to play them and do something with them. They are not musical in an audible way to the human ear. I mean, you could say theoretically, like the atoms that make them up are moving around and I, I like it poetically saying everything is music, but you get what I'm saying by themselves. They're just things or pieces of wood and metal and plastic hanging on a wall in the hands of a great musician. They become beautiful music. In the same way, these words, God, self, a non-dual teacher saying, I am that it's the words by themselves are not true in that way. They're just meaningless gongs. But if you can feel a, a, a skillful teacher, which maybe I'm not, but some are, can take words and point at the moon with his finger or her finger, or their finger, and and do it in a way that compels you to look at what they're pointing at, which is your life. The kingdom of heaven. And, and you say a word like that, and everyone goes, where, what, what is that? Where is that? Is within you. Oh, yeah, that's an interesting abstract concept. The kingdom of heaven is within you. What does it mean? Where is it out there that I can? No, 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 not out there in you. Yeah, I get it. That's a cool concept. So what do I do about that? No, stop in, in you now, (laughs) in your body. If you're thinking, if you're trying to make sense of this, you've missed it already. Oh, that's good. That's a good thought. So what do I (laughs) know? Now look, feel it in you now. And what you're looking at is not something that you can label because it is the looking itself. It's not a noun to find. It's not a, a thing to, to be found. It is the searching itself. It is the, that which is looking. And then when you experience that and you see there is nothing to be seen that is that which is looking. You can't find the looker. When you just become that which is looking, and you go, wait, who's looking? You can't find it. You can't see it. It's like you can't see your own eyeballs. You are that which is looking. And that which is looking is what? Question mark. Mystery. So, as I said in the beginning of our interactions, I'm not coming this, it, these conversations can sometimes become theological regarding the nature of God is either, is, is he a he? Is he everywhere? Is he pan pantheistic or pantheistic or is he, and I'm not going, uh, I don't have anything to say about 
him or it or whatever. That's ultimate mystery. What I'm saying is, who do you think that you are? Do you think you're something that is not mystery? Can you show me yourself? You can show me your body. Can you show me yourself? Can we weigh it? We can weigh your brain. Can we weigh the life that's pulsing through your brain? That's animating it. There's such viable pushback on talks about oneness in saying, but distinction is important. I say, yes, absolutely. Distinction is, I am, is an experience. But experience is all we have. We fool ourselves into thinking we have more than experience. We think that I've got this computer and this microphone, and these are objective things in the universe, things that I have. But the truth is, I only have the experience of them in this moment. What do you ever, ex- what, what in the world is there outside of your experience? Can you, can you access it? Can you see anything without your eyes? Can you hear anything without your ears? Can you tell me about anything without your brain? All you have is the experience of the, of the universe. And as far as you know, that's all the universe is, is experience. Because you can't find anything but experience. What can you find other than experience? If you point at a thing... You're pointing at your perception of a thing, your experience of a thing, your awareness of a thing. All we have is this experience. That's what's true. That's what's real. And I can remember experiences before when I had all these beliefs about things, things that I labeled God or self enemy, true, false, good, bad, all these beliefs that I had. And when I had those beliefs, the world, the whole universe, my experience was segmented up into a million pieces. And I was the center of all of those pieces. My ego felt like this stable center around which the universe was orbiting as though I'm this solid, real thing and I'm moving around through this universe going, ooh, look at that. That's here to let me see it. That's here to let me see it. And it was a separate thing for me. I was the thing in the middle. But when I saw the mechanism of that, when I saw how that was attached to fear and shame and constriction, and I I saw the constriction itself, then I realized I couldn't actually find any firm lines, any real separateness between that which I was seeing 
and that which was doing the seeing. Suddenly the sun wasn't being perceived to rise by Michael. The sun was perceiving itself through the body of Michael. The earth was experiencing itself in a body on the earth that the earth had made. God was worshiping God's self through the lips that God is sustaining and creating in this moment within herself. And these are all poetic metaphors because that which I'm trying to point to cannot be grasped. It cannot be understood because understanding is a model in the mind. And as soon as it's a model in the mind, it's a wave in the ocean. It's part of that reality of which it speaks, but it is not the complete because it's an abstraction. Words are not true in anything other than the experience of those words. You can experience the truth of words. But if you don't experience the truth of words, then they are not true. So if you can hear me when I say all is one, and you can experience the truth of that, then those words are true. If you cannot, those words are not true. If you can experience when I say all is Christ, if that if that's an experience that you can have as Christ, then that is true. If it's not an experience that's being experienced in that body, those words are not true. Because words are tools for experience. And the only true thing is experience. Because that's the only thing you can find. You can't find anything other than that. There's a Alan Watts talk where he talks about rainbows in this way. He says, in the same way that a rainbow doesn't actually exist until you witness it. So for there to be a rainbow, you have to see from a place, from a perspective in which the, the water in the, in the air and the light are interacting in just a certain way, from a certain angle. And then you see it, but somebody standing somewhere else would could look into the same molecules of air and, and water from a different vantage point and they wouldn't see the rainbow. It wouldn't exist. The rainbow doesn't actually exist unless you see it. And that's the same with the truth that we're talking about here. It's not true unless you see that it is. <laughs> well, then how do I see it is, you might ask. And if I was a better teacher, I might have something clever to tell you. I think Jesus was pretty clever with that stuff. He'd tell one person to go sell everything they had. He'd tell another that they had to become like a little child. Another that they needed to be born again. For most people, he just told stories. 
and occasionally somebody saw a rainbow. Look within yourself. The kingdom is within you. Let those with ears to hear 